0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Roots, the Jazz Impressions podcast. Uh, We've been away for a minute, Um, COVID and uh, life have got in the way, but we're we're back. We're back on track with another episode. Uh, My name's Ollie. My name's Dan. And uh, we run jazzimpressions.co.uk, a music blog designed as a game of musical ping pong, where we explore musical connections one track at a time. Um, In this podcast, we both choose a track. And then we map a route between those two tracks via a, a route of musical stepping stones as a way to share some of the music we're interested in and that uh, um, we both enjoy. So uh, what track have you chosen? I have picked Contradiction by the Ohio Players. How about you? I've chosen uh, Distant Star by the Heliocentrics featuring MF Doom and Percy P. So I think I went
1: first last time, so it's your turn to, to go first if you want. Cool. I've... Gone from Contradiction by the Ohio players towards the Eurocentrics. Okay, cool. So this is the title track from their 1976 Mercury record, Contradiction. Contradiction! funky track they are Great my favorite track. favorite funk band because they do all these different styles and contradiction yeah. although it's probably not the most famous track it's such a good five minute encapsulation of everything they do all True. in one go yeah. the True. jazz soul funk rock blues blues disco I think that's
0: why groups like Ohio Players um, and also you know, like Parliament Funkadelic had, and uh, Earth, Wind & Fire as well, you know, had such mainstream wide appeal um, because of, you know, drawing on all those musical styles and being able to synthesise them into just a really tight, accessible package for people. Yeah. You know, it's hard not to like stuff like that, depending on, you know, you may be someone who's, you know, not hugely into music or whatever, but I'm sure that track will be a winner for so many people, you know, it's
1: not going to alienate people, if you know what I mean. And they were a really fun, energetic For sure. live group with their afros and capes. Had names like Sugarfoot, yeah. Diamond.
0: I mean, it's like the P. It's the you know, it's the P-Funk kind of connection. It's yeah. a similar thing, you know. It's like these groups are not only musically awesome but also visually. They had the whole kind of theatrics going on. Yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire as well.
1: P-Funk, are arguably the kings of that, but you know, the combination of rock guitar riffs and that weird falsetto singing with yeah. the jazz drums and these horn stabs is just so appealing
0: yeah those drums as well like it, like the beginning where it's coming in it's just such a simple groove but those drum hits on the snare are so kind of placed yeah in line with the horn stabs and it's just so kind of calculated but it has such kind of punch yeah it's, a it's such a
1: simple song. groove but it's incredibly effective they really released Lots of really successful albums in the 70s, but most notably their Mercury records, particularly Fire, Skin Tight, Honey, and Contradiction. Well known for their slightly controversial sexual album covers, which usually involved a Playboy model and often honey. a horse. A horse in this case. <laughs> in this case um, which was a departure from. Uh, it's a woman feeding a horse an apple. Uh, Wikipedia says while well, the horse is identified by name and breed in the liner notes, an Anglo Trakehner stallion named Wassil, the model is uncredited.
0: <laughs> it's uncredited. <laughs> I
1: Which love these nice detail.
0: It's fantastic. But yeah, no, definitely they've always had like all the Ohio Players like album covers. They've got such a strong kind of visual identity as yeah. well. You know it's an Ohio Players album without even
1: you don't even need the text on there. You just yeah. know. And my next track is another. Ohio Players record mm. uh, their previous album Honey oh yeah you 9- like this album don't you I love 1975 <laughs> and the song I've picked is Let's Love love on me and let me love on you understand me
2: that's the night job Listen to what they say behind my back, y'all. You would be making love to me, all right?
1: The model is credited. Her name is Esther Cordette. She's pouring honey on herself, and there's an urban legend about this album. Okay. Uh, in the song "Love Roller Coaster, yeah. which is the biggest, oh, I've okay. yeah. There's a scream that can be heard at one point. Yeah, and yeah. There's a rumor that that's her being killed in the recording booth, which is not true. Uh, great song, lovely groove. Yeah. The sense of humor this band has is so infectious. Yeah, for but sure. There, there's sure a verse in this tune that <coughs> interpolates Let's Do It by Cole Porter. Okay. The bit that goes, Let's do it, be do it, even you and me can do it. It's from oh, a Cole Porter song. right, okay. So Let's do it. Let's Which Porter is your link, I take it. My next track is another song by Cole Porter. Oh, okay. And what's that? Night and Day by Bill Evans, trio with Lee Konitz and Ryan. Oh, Will Marsh. yes. Night and Day. From the album Cross Currents, released. Uh, on fantasy in 1978.
0: bill evans play it feels like he's he never put a note wrong yeah it feels like you know you, you feel there's certain players you listen to and you feel like they're on the edge of kind of things falling apart or whatever and there's a kind of chaotic on the edge feel they're playing but something about bill evans it's like you know he's in supreme control yeah and he's got like i imagine his success rate is like 99.9 percent of notes hit and the very rare time that he fudges a note
1: like you just don't hear it yeah because he's just you can see why Such a virtuoso. Miles Davis said his playing was like sparkling water cascading down from some clear waterfall. Wow, I mean, that's that's pretty poetic. It is. I mean, it also kind of fits the album Cross Currents. Yeah, it? even though he's much more extroverted at this point in the 70s compared to his. Well, it was the cocaine use, I think. Probably, yeah. Went from heroin to cocaine. And then... Night and Day is a cold water tuner from the musical Gay Divorce. Uh, Fred Astaire said that Gay Divorce came to be known as the Night and Day show. Because right. it was such a famous composition, mm. and when it was made into a film uh, in the '30s, RKO offered fifty dollars to anyone who could come up with a better title than the Gay Divorce, because they thought it would uh, fall foul of the censors. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, they came up with the title The Gay Divorcee, <laughs> which uh, I guess they thought was improved. <laughs> <room. laughs> right. <laughs> uh, also, there was a clause. Uh, that no one could appear in the film wearing pyjamas. Oh, yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty <laughs> complex, isn't it? Now, this is all in Ted Goyer's book of jazz standards, which is really interesting. Mm. Uh, he says that the unusual modulation in Iron Day is possibly inspired by the Islamic call to prayer that Coldwater heard in Morocco.
0: Awesome, that's a really interesting pick. Again, not an album
1: I'm familiar with at all. So. It's good, it's got a very 1970s cover.
0: Yeah, of. Well, I thought it was clouds, but it's, it's water, mm. cross currents, not a load of angry looking raisins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that would have been a much better cover. Not to be confused with Undercurrent, which is the album you made with Jim Hall.
0: Yes, with a with a woman suspended. Oh, yeah. That's an amazing cover. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the best. Generally, I just think well, it's, it's one of the most evocative album covers in jazz. Yeah. It's incredibly kind of cinematic and mysterious. And
1: Speaking of Bill Evans, my next pick. Is Nardis. Hey! Uh, specifically, the version from the Montreux Jazz Festival, released on yes. Verve in 1968. From the Grammy-winning uh, Grammy. album, yeah, oh. um, and with that aggression that we were talking about, that Evans developed in the late sixties—about cocaine aggression. Well, it's interesting <laughs> because Steve Silverman, in his article about Nardis, which is a really interesting read, um, if you just Google Nardis Steve Silverman with a B. Uh, it's called Broken Time. He breaks down Bill Evans' obsession with this song, "Nardis," which was written by Miles Davis. Although there is uh, some debate over its origins, Bill Evans revisited this tune again and again. And Silverman says it's at its best when he's playing with the original Bill Evans Trio, mm. which was Paul Motian and Scott LaFaro, yeah, who died tragically in a car crash, very young, yeah. I think we talked about him before in, the, in that Stan Gets tune that he's on. Yeah. So Silverman kind of speculates that the reason mm. that Evans doesn't indulge the kind of sad side of his playing anymore is because he found it too painful. Mm. And he says that Nardis became a glittering shell of itself, a series of hectic performances often dominated by clattering d- drum solos, as if allowing those fateful notes to linger in the air would bring on a sadness Evans can no longer endure. Yeah, it's
0: interesting you say that because um, if you watch the the Bill Evans documentary Time Remembered from twenty fifteen, he, he had an inordinate amount of loss in his life. Yeah, three key people that he lost. He lost his he lost Scott LaFaro very early on. It was like his best friend, yeah. kind of musical, kind of other. He lost his brother, mm-hmm. and also he lost his sweetheart who killed herself following a a messy breakup, and I think she threw herself in front of a train. Yeah. And I mean, you look at that, you know, most people would, you know, be scarred from just one of those, you know, and the fact that, you know, on top of everything else he was going through with, you know, addiction and all yeah. that stuff, you know, it's, it's
1: a heavy, heavy load to yeah. bear. And this is with Eddie Gomez on bass. So the same, same lineup as? No. Oh. De Jeannette is the drummer, oh, which is okay. another reason why Evans is so propulsive Because yeah. Jack Jeanette. It's an unusual choice for what is usually quite a sensitive... Trio, yeah. Because jazz, Jeanette is obviously this powerhouse. He plays a three-minute drum solo in this tune. Uh, hence Silverman's clattering drum solos. Comment. Yeah. So that tune is, of course, sampled. You know where I'm going with this.
0: Yeah. Um, sampled by Madlib for um, the raid beat. Yeah.
1: Um, on the Mad Villainy album. Mad Villainy, 2004, released on Stones Throw. Right.
2: Two, one, two. Whole heat and preach non-violence Shh. he bounced to start speech, come on, silence On one starry night, I saw the light Heard a voice that sounded like Barry White Said, sure you're right Don't let me find out who tried to bite They better off go to a fly, a kite in a firefight During tornado time with no coat, than I caught ya Wrote the book on rhymes, a note from the author With no headshot, he said it's been a while Got a breadwinner style to get an inner child A finna smile And that's no exaggeration The doctor
0: told the patient It's all in your imagination,
2: Negro what do
0: we know about the buttery flow? He need the Seminal album right like there. Favourite of all time, definitely like yeah. if I had to take a creator records to a desert island, Mad he would be in there. Madlib, the producer, MF Doom, the MC. I mean it's like a psychic connection, I think Madlib yeah. Madlib referred to it as that he said, you know, it's like him and Doom, you know, they'd never met before, but you know, linking up and making that uh, they didn't even need to communicate, you know. So what would happen is Madlib would stay up all night making beats and then in the morning you go to bed and Doom what you just give the stuff to do Doom, and Doom would record over the top of it and what's crazy about Lee as well is like obviously now you know people talk about lo-fi hip-hop as a genre lo-fi production but it's really people like Madlib and Dylan really kind of like pioneered that before it had a kind of name on it and you look at Madlib and it was just made with bare bones set up you know a lot of the beats were made in Brazil on like some hotel kind of like speakers, a Fisher Price turntable and a little SP303 sampler and records, which is, you know, it's not studio stuff. It's completely kind of raw and DIY. Um, and Matt, what's cool about Matt Vinley as well is that Matt had made the beats um, and literally just like a lot of his beats he did because he didn't want people messing with it. He just tracked it straight out to, you know, two track or whatever. So he'd just track his beats straight out and then Doom would just record over the top of them. And that was it. There was no sort of like mm-hmm. official recording. It was like, here are the beats. This is the beat as I've constructed it, freestyle with any sort of dropouts and stuff like that. And Doom would write to that, which is crazy. And I mean, like, cause it's not, when you listen even to the beginning of that, it's just all kind of like spliced, yeah. that, that kind of Mad Lib style where a sample just comes in at the beginning. So at the beginning that you hear Nardis, that, da, 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 da before it breaks down into the uh, into the main body of the beat, which is that Osmar um, militum Quarteto Forma, yeah. America Latina track. Um, and then with the George Clinton bling, 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 in the hook. Um, but it's crazy, you know, it's such a fantastic beat. I think it's, I mean, there's loads of great tracks on that, end, but it's definitely a
1: favorite. It's the equivalent of what Doom is doing with his lyrics, lyrics with everything flowing over into the next line and definitely. all these weird internal rhymes
0: the two of them coming together, they're making arguably like hip hop that's the closest kind of form to jazz mm-hmm. that I've heard in the way that it's completely kind of off the top and improvised, you know, it's the improvisational nature mm-hmm. of it. And Madlib's king for that, not overthinking things, just letting, kind of being a conduit yeah. and just using whatever's at hand to freestyle. And Madlib, in a, there's an interview of with him with, with Radio France and he's talking about, you know, how Dilla was like Coltrane so after Diller, like Coltrane, after A Love Supreme, everything changed, you know, and you, you couldn't ignore that, you know, and it's the same thing with Diller, you know, after Diller and what he'd accomplished in his short kind of career, um, you know, the, the landscape wasn't the same. And then they, and he says like, and Doom, he was saying, he's like Charlie Parker. He's kind of so influential and so in his own kind of thing. And so many people were like looking up to Doom. And then they say, oh, to Madeline, like, what, who would you be? And he said, I'd be more like a Thelonious Monk kind of character, which, Kind Of makes complete sense, yeah. you know, it's as their kind of musical jazz counterparts, yeah. you can see that approach.
1: Yeah, that's my link to the final track, is of course MF Doom, features on Distant Star by the Heliocentrics with Percy P, released on Now Again in 2008. <laughs>
2: Sounds strange, but he wishes it would rain. Too oscillated drainage from his in brain. Vision insane, switching lanes, wrong signals. Anytime he came real close, a thong wiggled. Just a jiggle low, like Lee Roth. save Saving for David, cricket, in then for the T off. From the T off, completely off the beat rack. Kick lyrics like kick, the feet off the beat track. Pulled it like copper wheel. Seen it with your eyes, still a seat not real. Snap drop, got the deal like high wheels. Shot still
0: steel. If I had to put a playlist together, I think top 20 hip-hop tracks of all time mm. or something like that that would be on there for me it embodies everything i like about music yeah basically and it ticks so many boxes this track was originally on um on their debut album out there mm. uh, released on now again i think the, the year prior that version i always thought it was it was live but actually the the, the original version samples uses samples Uh, which I didn't know. So I think the drums and, you know, the bass and stuff were, so you've got Malcolm Cato, um, you know, one of the founders of the Heliocentrics and Jake Ferguson, you know, they both co-founded it. And I think you've got Cato and Ferguson on uh, drums and bass respectively, but also Malcolm Cato in an interview was saying that he sampled a lot of old oddball records, um, as he said, to make that, which I didn't know. Mm. Um, And so he was saying a couple of years later when, you know, the, 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 the idea was put out there of, basically getting Percy P onto Distant Star. They decided, you know, what they wanted to do is because they were at that point expanding from more of a kind of like little studio kind of project into this kind of live ensemble. And they were growing the ensemble. For anyone who doesn't know, the Heliocentrics is about seven or eight people in the Heliocentrics now. Um, You know, we have got drummer, keys, bass, they've got vocalist, perk. Synthesize and electronics, you know, and they often have you know other people featuring as well. But yeah, fantastic band. But they were trying to grow that and they were trying to get a reputation for being a liver sound. And so, the, the idea was, as Malcolm Cato said, that they recorded, um, they wanted it to be different to the original version, um, and definitely have a more live feel. So, Malcolm, they recorded the horns, a Thai guitar, a Balinese wood gamelan, <laughs> um, and the extra percussion, all of which you can hear on that track. And they sent that over to Mike Burnham, who was the um, producer um, of that particular track. And he obviously put that in with the original track and the acapella of Percy P as well. Um, and then also they didn't realize when they actually, they didn't even realize that Doom was gonna be on the track. And when he sent over the, aca- when uh, Mike Burnham shared the the acapella, he yeah, had three verses from Percy P and then at the end, there's a reprise from Doom. And they thought, wow, that's insane. You know, because they, they, they didn't know Doom was making an appearance and in classic kind of super villain form. He just rocks up, you know, he just shows up out of nowhere and just, you know, drops possibly, you know, like respect to Percy P, the three verses are awesome. Like, and he's a great lyricist, but Doom for me, like that's yeah. the cherry on the cake. You thought the track wasn't getting any better. And then suddenly there's just a little thing and then just Doom comes in <laughs> and just does what he does. Just it is incredible. It's the humour in
1: his lyrics as well. You know, there's a reference to Craig David in there. <laughs> that He's British originally. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah there's all these little colloquialisms. He's well, he's always cool. had one for because he, he, he had to leave the US mm-hmm. um,
0: and wasn't allowed back there. Um, I think that was, yeah. And so that's why he spent so like, a long time in the UK. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, some of his albums that he released were then released on British labels like Lex Records, Mm. um, which interestingly uh, brings me on to my next link. Um, It's another Doom track, 2009. Um, It was from his album Born Like This, released on the British label Lex Records, and the track is Gazillionaire. A real weirdo with
2: a bug rare flow, and the way his hair grow was ugly as a scarecrow. He was a mask, so the charms won't grab. On a rooftop with a large stone slab. Heads up, talk white and thought niggerous. Refused to walk tight and got his off the vigorous. Black licorice and equally as yucky. How he handled the money was strictly damn stucky. Monkey hustle, man on fire. Later for the date than the Hadron Collider. Of course, more. It'll be seeming like a style. Doom leave the competition steaming like a pile. Smile. Ooh. Sparkling jewels. In effect, like alternate side of the street parking rules. Fools, the roach was never dead. Live for a week, then dehydrate with a seven head instead. It was depicted as
0: flicked. Split the witch lit. We have got to try to find Doom. Good luck. <laughs> That's what's great about Doom. There's so many references to kind of like popular culture and TV and films and stuff. And yeah. his lyrics are just like peppered with all this stuff and all these like double entendres and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, we're just laughing just at the end, that, that line where he says, uh, Oh, yeah, later for the date than the Hadron Collider. <laughs> He's such a kind of singular, singular artist. No one
1: can rhyme like Doom in that way. It's yeah. just so clever and I so like, funny as well. I think my favourite yeah. is the uh, line on Danger Doom. Where he's like, look like a froggy drank the groggiest of potions up in the party with the foggiest of notions. (laughs) Flow
0: slow as Mongo, Don Juan, Thong Pro, for your info when he's not practicing Jim Crow, an actress and some nympho bimbo.
1: (laughs) We could just sit here and read all the lyrics all day. We
0: could create a podcast It's just called Doom Lyrics, (laughs) and we just basically just read Doom Lyrics and talk about how funny they are and how clever they are. But anyway, yeah, so this track was produced by the one and only Jay Diller. I wish... Dilla and Doom could have worked more with each other. There's a select few tracks that Doom recorded over um, by Dilla. But this is definitely, I think, this is one of Doom's best tracks, period. And I mean, a lot of that is also because of the beat. And like, what's awesome is that switch up in the middle. So you've got the beginning, you've got the switch up, and then it goes back to the beginning beat again. And it's kind of, That sound, it's that moog kind of electronic sound that you almost kind of like ominous and spooky haunted house vibes that is kind of synonymous with Dilla and Doom. Yeah. Kind of like, wing, 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 wing. It's all very kind of like spooky and it could come across as kind of tacky, I suppose, in a different context, but they just managed to make it work so well. Um, And in this track for Gazillionaire, Dilla sampled um, a track by synth wizard, uh, Giorgio Moroda, uh-huh. Um, Specifically um, The soundtrack Film Midnight Express um, Which leads me Onto my next track It's another Diller track Where Diller sampled A Giorgio Moroder track Can you guess what this track is? Is it E equals MC squared? Yes it is Yeah So this is uh, J Diller's E equals MC squared um, From the posthumous album The Shining Released in 2006 On BBE Records Let's go, Let's go. Turn it
2: up. Introducing world-famous beat junkie he, 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 yeah, Here is yeah, the yeah. sound and substance of, of, <laughs> of, 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 of the world's hottest entertainment.
0: Yeah. Let's for a moment. Let's let's, let's, let's start, let's start, let's start, get up, start, start. get
2: up, and ride, and ride. The hump, the hump, it's not, it's not. Out the atmosphere, this rap here is something that I felt in the moment. A true opponent in the booth, inspired, is what I write,
1: inspired like- One of the all time great Shadilla beats. Probably in my top five. Yeah, so definitely without a doubt. It's
0: one of my favorites. It's just every time I hear that track, yeah. <laughs> I'm just immediately hyped. Obviously now it's maybe less remarkable, but I think a lot of people, especially when you listen to like early hip hop stuff, so much stuff samples just the intro to a song. Mm. And Dilla sampled so much stuff from like the middle of things, the end of things, which I think was one of the many kind of legacies he left behind for producers, showing that, you know, you, to dig deeper and yeah. also like listen to full tracks and also sample the parts of the records so that other people wouldn't think to sample maybe. Don't just go
1: for the easy sample. Well, he knew he had an
0: not graphic
1: the whatever the audio equivalent would be. Yeah. This library in his head, this rolodex, where he knew exactly where in his vast collection of music. Yeah. To pinpoint, to find the exact right drums, the exact right bassline.
0: He was an engineer, um, at school, and so he's got this kind of engineering brain, and you know his approach was very much like that. It's the perfect beat. and he manages to engineer it exactly. You know, yeah. so many of Diller's beats have that. Perfect quality to them. Everything is just just right on mm-hmm. it. And uh, in a way, it's I think what's nice about this as well. Obviously, The Shining was a posthumous album, but it's it's kind of cool in a way. It's kind of like a posse cut. So it's E equals MC squared, um, which is this kind of like formula for explaining everything. Mm-hmm. And on that, it kind of encapsulate Dilla's kind of crew at the time or kind mm-hmm. of right hand men. So you've got Dilla on production. I think the drums are played by Kareem Riggins. And then you've got Scratches from J-Rock, um, yeah. the DJ who toured with, um, with J-Lib. And then you've got Common as well, amazing lyricist. I mean, you're a massive Common fan. Yeah. Again, like we were talking about Doom and, uh, Doom and Madlib. It feels like Common and Dilla were a very good match as well. You know, you got the weirdos in the weird corner. He got Madlib and Doom. Yeah. And then you've got the Soulful Brothers. You know Dilla and Dilla and Common, it felt a very good, you know, match yeah. and a very natural musical pairing. Mm. Um, so yeah, fantastic track, um, fantastic album as well. If you haven't heard The Shining, or for that matter, any of Dilla's catalogue, get stuck in. But I mean, The Shining is interestingly for a posthumous album, usually posthumous albums aren't great, but I mean, it's one of his best, yeah. And just every track on there is just excellent. Yeah, it's a good place to start, actually. Yeah, it's no. Actually, I think that was probably uh, along with Donuts. That was my yeah. route into Dilla. I listened to the Donuts and uh, The Shining, and then worked worked The Shining's got
1: songs on it in a way that Donuts does not.
0: Exactly, it's got a lot of got a lot of appeal. Yeah. You know, it's kind of not too out there in terms of like the production, so it won't alienate. You know, it's a really good in way to kind of just soulful, very kind of just high quality yeah. production, lyrics and everything. This mm-hmm. is a very good album. Um, Which leads me um, onto the next step in my musical chain, Um, another track which features on uh, The Shining, Um, a slightly more subdued number, Um, this one is So Far To Go uh, featuring Colin and (laughs) D'Angelo.
2: me live inside you with your mouth don't say baby your thighs do i want us to arrive too. together i love it when the weather is wet and sticky Someday
1: another of my favorite till beats i know i've said that now in multiple till every beats <laughs> <laughs> but it's so dreamy and weird and fragmented you can't tell really what's happening it's just beautiful yeah it's a it's a, it's a great
0: track and i mean this is Common being a lot more kind of lyrical and sentimental. It's very yeah, sexual. Yeah, open like an oven door. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the lines in there. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 just a fantastic track. And again, it's that just amazing soulful production from Dilla. is a perfect landscape for Common and D'Angelo to yeah. do their thing on. Um, and this was that kind of, it represents that other side. You know, there's that kind of hard Detroit, kind of always like motoric kind of like hard feel to those Diller beats, you know, where you listen to like E equals MC squared or Cold Steel or stuff like that. And then you've got this other side, this incredibly soulful, you know, side, of like So Far To Go, and Baby on this yeah. album, things like that. So D'Angelo's um, just like, instant. He's just sex code, yeah. he's like the sex cheat code. <laughs> the track So Far To Go um, samples a fantastic soul track um, by, Great talent that it's Junior Morrison, and uh, the track is called Tight Rope, and it was released on his 1975 album When We Do on Westbound Records. Right, and again, you know, we were talking about Didda's skill as a producer. You know, to to kind of obviously, you can do so much stuff with samples, but to think to take something that's so upbeat and funky Mm. to slow that way down kind of turns it into this floating, soulful, psychedelic soul. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, Junie Morrison, um, he was famous, he was a fantastic producer, keys player, singer. Um, he was well known for most collecting bread. Collecting, Yeah, so there is that album. He did release an album uh, in 1980 called Bread Alone, and it's him sitting in a chair surrounded by just piles and piles of bread. <laughs> it's one of the most surreal album covers I think I've ever seen. Mm. But no, he, most famously, he was known for writing Funkadelic's One Nation Under a Groove, also the much sampled Ohio Players track, uh, Funky Worm, when he voiced the. Um, the grandma on it the funky grandma who's like oh, oh yeah blah, blah,
1: blah, blah.
0: <laughs> so yeah the um he was, was he
1: in the ohio players
0: right there we go you've nearly got there so basically that leads me on to um the final step which is obviously Ohio players contradiction you beat me to it juni morrison he was the lead singer well one of the lead singers and keyboard player for the ohio players earlier in their career so on the albums pain pleasure ecstasy yeah this is when they were still basically on westbound. But he left Ohio Players in nineteen seventy four to yeah. pursue a solo career, um, and then he released some solo albums. And then he ended up joining um, Parliament Funkadelic in nineteen seventy seven as the musical director. Uh, George Clinton famously uh, described him as the most phenomenal musician on the planet. Wow! And I mean, on the on tightrope on that album, um, when we do, he plays all the instruments on the album, which is just insane. Yeah. You know, he's super, super talented. That's also a
1: high praise from George Clinton, who works with all the best musicians.
0: Right, exactly. When George Clinton calls you the most phenomenal music musician on the planet, you know yeah. you know that you
1: and Funky Worm is one of the most sampled tracks of all time, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean it's up there with like Bob James Nautilus and yeah. the Amen break and stuff like that. You know, definitely, you know, defining an era of hip hop, especially on the West Coast, you know, or so many of those like Dre and yeah, you know west coast hip hop production sample funky worm but even Diller, there's a Dilla beat a funky worm Diller flip that he's done on one of the beat tapes which is great I don't know if it ever got released officially so yeah uh, that wraps it up so
1: got to a higher player's contradiction in the end that was awesome there was loads of stuff in there I didn't know Yeah, I didn't know about the so far to go sample didn't know about Jim Morrison that was really interesting I'm here to educate yeah that's what i'm here for man. and
0: like,
1: likewise ego
0: aside to be honest your route i that's what i like about doing this you know we were saying like although you know we're picking tracks that we're both maybe or well, sometimes familiar with sometimes not and you think oh there's a very obvious route here it just goes to show that yeah you can go by all sorts of interesting connections to get to where you you need to be and we talked about joe while well, you've talked about jazz so fortunately you yeah. you've continued flying the flag i kind of uh Decided to. We're not falling foul of any um, labelling. No issues. No, no, we don't know. We're we're fine. Always, always jazzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope you enjoyed uh, this eighth episode eight. of um, Roots Jazz Impressions podcast. It's good to be back. It's good to be uh, to be recording again. So we hope you all enjoyed it. Of course, as always, follow us on uh, social channels. Um, so yeah, join us again soon for another round of uh,
1: musical connections. And finally. Yeah. We would like to take the time to dedicate this episode of the podcast to Vassil, the horse from the cover of Contradiction by the Ohio Players.
0: And uh, I'm going to do a reading from uh, a verse of MF Doom, um, specifically on Danger Doom's track Sofa King. Odd he couldn't find no remorse, a wink is as good as a nod to a blind horse. Of course his technique was from a divine source, never knew the price of ice or what a swine cost. One guy tried to beat the heat, that's when he discovered the other other white meat. Oh, the one they hate so well, he sure keeps it psycho like the old Bates motel. They came to ask him for at least some new tracks, but only got confronted by the beast with two backs. Knock, mouse is a made man, villain laid it down like the best laid plan. There's
2: a worm in the ground, yes it is. That's right, that's right. He lives six feet down.